Hey fellow romance readers, I'm Amy. And I'm Sarah, and this is Post Book Depression. You know that feeling you get when you finish a good book that you didn't want to end? Have you finished a book and just weren't ready to move on from the story and its beloved characters? You find yourself needing just a little more? Well, this multi-trope romance podcast gives you the opportunity to dig deeper with us into books we love as we discuss all the reasons we can't move on. Feeling chatty? You can continue the conversation with us on Instagram at Post Book Depression Podcast or on Facebook in our Post Book Depression discussion group. We would love for you to subscribe to our podcast and take a brief moment to leave a review. Are you ready? Let's discuss. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm Amy. And I'm Sarah. And today we're going to be discussing A Beautiful End by Ashley Quinn. The first few minutes, we're going to do a brief review of the story without any spoilers. Then we are going to shift into a deeper book discussion, which is going to include lots of spoilers. But don't worry, we're going to let you know before we do shift into that deeper book discussion. Okay, so before we jump into that discussion, Amy, give us a brief description of what A Beautiful End is all about. When a young girl and her boyfriend discover a murdered woman, it starts a hunt for the person responsible. The young girl's got Godfather, who is also the town sheriff, works to solve the crime while building a relationship with a young girl's aunt. This is a small town romantic romantic suspense with all the feels. Sarah, what did you think about A Beautiful End? Okay, so it's got a B&B. I love. It's got baking and cooking. I love. It's got a hot <laughs> sheriff. I love. It has mystery, which was just so delightful. And it's low on the angst and the relationship. We'll dig into that in just a second, (laughs) which I really enjoyed. Yeah, it was just a really good story to read. Uh, I love a small town romance. I love it when it tosses in some mystery. And if you can keep the relationship angst on the down low, (laughs) then I'm super happy. So this kind of did all that. It had a lot of my little favorites all just sprinkled throughout. throughout. And I really liked it. What'd you think? I loved the chemistry between the two Mm. main characters. It was just delightful throughout the whole story. Mm -hmm. Really enjoyed the mystery parts of the story. And the small town vibe, I just really enjoyed it as well. This is good. Okay, let's get into our ratings. Angst. Okay. Okay, so angst. So like I said, the relationship relationship angst is low. This was more, I gave it a 2.75 just because it has the mystery angst, but it wasn't heavy Mm -hmm. or unbearable. And it wasn't so intense mystery that you're freaking out, like biting your nails, like what's going to happen? Yeah, it was only 1.75 for me for all the same reasons. Very manageable on the Mm -hmm. angst level. Totally totally manageable in my opinion. Yep. Humor. Humor. Okay. This was a two. Okay. Uh, I was it close. Was... I did 1.75. Okay. So it's it got some funny uh, moments in it and some chuckles and stuff. Yeah. I really Yeah. Liked it. There were parts that I laughed and chuckled. The mystery uh-huh. and the suspense definitely takes the prominent role in the story, but yeah. I did have some sprinkled throughout, I felt. Spiciness. Okay. Spicy. This was just a two. I gave it a two as well. Uh, yeah. Okay, so there's some tension that's real good, and then they have very well done intimate scene kind of thing. So yeah, it wasn't. Uh, over it's the a top. slow burn. Yeah, and for then sure. when it finally gets there, I thought it was lovely. It was definitely <laughs> lovely. All right, tears. Okay, I gave it a one just because I didn't cry, but it should probably be higher just because of what some of the characters have experienced. Mm-hmm. But it's not. You feel sad for the characters' history. But the story itself is not 
sad. sad. I agree. Uh-huh. I did one and a half. I was a little higher than you, but it was like the murder aspects of the story <laughs> were definitely sad. And there are things yeah. that characters are having to endure that are sad, but I, I was never like too saddened or overwhelmed. And no. I definitely didn't cry. Overall. Okay. Overall, this was a 4.25 for me. It was just the great little small town romance with mystery. I devoured this in a day. It was really, really just, <laughs> yeah. I, I loved it. It was great. So I did four out of five. I really enjoyed the relationship developing mm-hmm. and watching them kind of grow. I Like I said, I love that chemistry. I liked the mystery components. There were parts that were not a surprise to me, but yeah. I felt like overall it was a really good romantic mystery to it. It was fast. Like you said, I yeah. read it very quickly, I think kind of in a day as well. I do want to say that this story can be read as a standalone, but it definitely sets you up for following other characters Mm -hmm. in the story as you move forward. Yeah, and you might want to if you're like me, because I like to read everybody's story, (laughs) um, you're going to want to jump into the next one. I know I do, so... That concludes a spoiler-free quick review of the story. Now we're going to shift into the deeper book discussion, which is going to include lots of spoilers. So if you haven't read this story, stop, go check it out, and then come back and continue on with our deeper discussion. Then we would love to hear what you think about this story. You can find us on social media, on Instagram, at Post Book Depression Podcast, on Facebook, in our Post Book Depression discussion group, and you can also email us at postbookdepressionpodcast at gmail.com. This story opens up with Abigail and her boyfriend Trent going on a hike through the woods and the mountains and they stumble upon a dead body. Let's start this small town romance off with a little bit of mystery. Yeah. Sarah, let's talk about what they've discovered. Okay, well, I was just like, oh, it's going to be a dead body. (laughs) Because she was talking about the smell and I knew she was thinking, oh, it's going to be an animal. I'm like, not in that cabin. It's not. (laughs) Run away. (laughs) How startling. Yeah. For these 16 year olds to see. I mean, that would be startling at any age. You know, I'm 36 and I'd freak out if I saw something (laughs) like that. Yeah. To be a 16 year old that's kind of already had some trauma in their life. Not a great thing to discover on a hike. For sure. And that really is kind of the introduction for Abigail and Sheriff Sebastian Archer, or Seb, as we're going to call him as we move forward, whom we quickly learn is Abigail's godfather. I know. I love their relationship. Let's start. Let's spend some time talking about Seb and Abigail's relationship. Okay. Well, we know that he is her godfather. His best friend was her dad, who died in a car wreck, tragically, and I love how involved he is. It just Me too. His relationship, he is really the definition of what a godfather is supposed to be in that type of situation, that he is there for her and just takes care of her and protects her and all the things that a father figure should be. And he really lives up to that role. I'm really, it just made me so happy how they just have this incredible love and respect and their relationship was just I loved it. I loved it so much. I, in fact, every time they had a scene together, I just had all the feels and just all these hearts around Mm -hmm. my eyes for him and the love that I had for him through his love for Abigail and just that special bond that they have. Mm -hmm. Like you talked about, they, they had that closeness and just all of the scenes that they would have together. I, it made me so happy and just all the warm, fuzzy feelings. You really could tell that he loved her as though she was his own daughter. Mm -hmm. And that made me so happy. She was not an obligation to him. He genuinely cared about her well-being and being there for her no matter what through life. And I just really, 
like I said, it's the definition of what a godfather should be. He stepped into his yes. role and and it wasn't like her parents died and he took on this thing. It you could tell he has been that figure in her life consistently throughout her life. And that made me happy. It was a really special relationship. We also know that Abigail's aunt, London, is now her guardian. And she's the one that that takes care of her. And London owns this really adorable bed and breakfast. Mm -hmm. You talked in the the quick review about how you love a good B&B. Yes. It's just so cozy and fun. Let's talk a little bit about London and Abigail's relationship. I love this relationship as well. Again, she has kind of stepped into her role as being kind of godmother, mother figure. She's more than just her aunt. And they just have such a incredible relationship. Again, there's that trust, there's respect. I, I love that they just are so close and that London is so protective of her. And when she shows up at the station after Abigail and Trent find this body, and her concern and just jumping right into wanting to protect her and shield her from anything else, you know, in her mind, kind of what more can this girl endure, you know, of all things. That was a beautiful portrayal of her relationship with her. And like Mm -hmm. you said, that just over that protective motherly figure in her life. I liked kind of the open, honest dialogue that they continued to have throughout the story and just kind of that almost like they were friends, but she definitely had the mother role in her life. Yes. Yeah. You mentioned that Eddie, whom is Abigail's dad, passed away in in an accident. Her or him and Camille, her parents died in this tragic accident basically and this death has had an impact on not only Abigail as the child but also Seb and London as well and Mm -hmm. it's kind of this I don't want to really say they have a weird relationship it's more like a protective relationship that individually Seb and London have over Abigail and they're wanting to put her first Mm -hmm. in everything that they do as they should as Mm -hmm. you know parental figures in, in her life but their death definitely has an impact on each of these three differently. And I Mm -hmm. want to talk about that impact on each one of these people. Let's start with Abigail. Okay. Well, Abigail, hers is very traumatic because she was 11, I think, when Mm -hmm. their parents had the car wreck coming back from a ski trip, if I believe. And her dad died instantly, but her mother died, I want to say like six hours. She was alive for a few hours, but six hours because she was in the car for 12 Can you imagine, Sarah? An 11-year-old being in a car with her two dead parents for six plus hours? Absolutely not. No, I can't. Already the trauma, first of all, to be in a car wreck in general Mm -hmm. and not receive immediate care Mm -hmm. is very scary. But to sit there for the majority of the day, not knowing if anybody's going to find you, not knowing if anybody is going to see your vehicle, it's most likely cold because you were just skiing. Yeah. Your dad is dead. Your mom has died. It, there's no telling what she witnessed or what she heard or anything with her mom. So, no. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not surprising then at the result of her finding this dead body of how protective they mm-hmm. are over her um, emotional well-being mm-hmm. and her state of mind because of the trauma that she's already kind of endured and worked through moving forward. Right. Let's talk about now how it impacted Seb because he was Eddie's best friend. Right. So for the majority of their life, best friend. And and he wasn't living it in the same town at that time. He was at Denver, I think, because mm-hmm. he worked for the FBI. So yeah. we know that he was away. But he obviously has maintained this 
family relationship with them. It's he lost a brother. Yeah. And I'm sure that that was already difficult enough. But then to actually have to fulfill the role of being a godfather to your best friend's daughter, I'm sure that that was a lot for him to process. I do feel like Seb, because of his background and because of the nature of what he does for a living, I just feel like those people process in a way that's completely different from me. Yes. (laughs) So me, I'd be a basket case. But um, people who... uh, They have this ability to compartmentalize very well. I'm not good at that. (laughs) I'm I'm not good at compartmentalization at all. (laughs) I'm working on it. But I just feel like he kind of has one of those, okay, we're in work mode. Okay, we're in this mode. You know, they they can shift. Mm -hmm. So I feel like as much as his grief probably was profound for him, I want to say Seb handled it incredibly well. I think so, too. I feel like the impact on London, with Eddie being her brother, she has kind of always viewed Seb as the brother's best friend, because ultimately Mm -hmm. he was. There is an age gap there, seven years, I think. And so ultimately, because of their relationship and her wanting to maintain the relationship of Seb and Abigail together, London really is she puts her feelings for Seb, and there is obviously some attraction there. She kind of puts those on the back burner. She Mm -hmm. doesn't allow herself to really openly feel those things anytime it comes into her mind or she starts to feel something. She's quick to squash it. Yeah, she wants to shut that down. Yes, she does. And so she really struggles with allowing that to come to the forefront and actually come to fruition. And I find it just delightful that it is, in fact, Abigail who is very insistent uh-huh. that she allow those feelings yeah. to come out in the open and that they actually date. Those scenes were just delightful to me when Abigail would come in and just taunt. Oh, I, I loved that because she just didn't understand, you know. And I also did kind of feel like, well, as far as the impact for London, I felt like the death, I'm not going to say had a more, more of an impact on her because obviously she's not the one who lost her parents, but she did lose her brother. Her parents were not very helpful. They kind of had to distance themselves. They lost a child. I understand that part. But how could you not just jump in both feet trying to help raise your granddaughter? I don't understand that. I'm not going to dig into that. But I do feel like, you know, London had these areas where she just felt this pressure. She needed to make sure that she did right by Abigail in all these areas. And without the grandparents' support and help, being hands-on kind of thing. I kind of understand why she wanted to keep that separate. Mm -hmm. She didn't want to mess things up. Now, with that being said, I also agreed with Seb and Abigail on this. There is nothing at this point that's going to jeopardize my relationship with her. So why are we just waiting around? Mm -hmm. You know, and they had known each other their whole lives. It's kind of like at that point, like, how do you not know that you are just going to be all in with somebody? You guys know each other pretty well very close bond between even the three of them and yeah Mm -hmm. yeah I completely agree on that let's shift over to the murders that have happened we have learned Amy is the one that they ultimately discover has been found by Abigail and Trent and that leads Seb to kind of discover more murders that have taken Mm -hmm. place across the states and in in doing that it leads him to Jace, this other officer in another town who has dealt with a similar murder. And he offers to come to this small town and help with the investigation of Amy's murder. Let's talk about the murders and what's happening. 
This is terrifying to me. I I am not one of those that watches a lot of a true crime. Oh, I love them. <laughs> I, yeah, no, I don't. I don't. I like to read, which is odd because I do enjoy some of the books that we read about the serial killers. We've had a few. That sounds so weird saying that, but I know that there's a lot of people. There's a niche for it. Yeah, a lot of people are really into that. I find them compelling when I get my hands on one, but I don't seek them them out. out. Yeah. Okay. That's a good way to say that. So this whole like posing in a wedding gown and with the, the bouquet and it was very disturbing to me. Mm -hmm. I I don't, I don't like it. (laughs) And when they say, oh, there's a serial killer. I'm like, Ooh, where are we going with this? (laughs) I love that. Uh, he called in Jace and how Jace's character brings so much to the story. Um, that they have this kind of rapport and almost instant friendship. I know that, they, like, I don't know if friendship's even the right thing to say, but I do feel like that they kind yeah. of develop that throughout because they want to catch this person. Mm-hmm. There's they, some bonding and trauma, I think. If, oh, yeah, definitely. And when you're trying to catch somebody that's, like, you know, going around and taking these women out, especially one that Jace recognizes, like, he's, you know, you don't want to wait on that. If yeah. you love her, you need to... Because when he shows her the picture that, okay, she looks like the women that this person is targeting. Um, How creepy was that? Oh, mm -mm. (laughs) no, uh -uh. no, I knew instantly. I was like, this person is fat. Before we even got to the whole Coraline, you know, person that they are kind of imagining that these women are, I thought, okay, they all look the same. They're styled the same. There's been a psychotic break in yeah. somebody's brain. They're I, I know enough about else. true crime to know that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I was like, Ooh, okay. Yeah. It was interesting to me that, well, he picked up on the fact that they were similar in looks to London as well. And, of course, his hackles rose instantly. Yeah. And he wants to kind of hone in on the, the B&B yeah. and her life and be protective and be around without letting her know that uh-huh. she resembles he didn't want to bring her any unnecessary worry basically yeah but he wanted to be protective and around yes in her in i'm shifting just a bit she's got all these different characters that Mm -hmm. are staying there and one of the characters that's thrown in is mr brown and i i knew instantly he's gonna be a red uh, red herring. Uh-huh. It was, he was the obvious choice, so I yeah. knew he wasn't going to be the, the culprit. But his sketchiness and the fact that they kept yeah. coming back to him. I want to talk just for a brief moment about how frustrating it was that we didn't get any resolution with his character in this yeah. story. <laughs> well, I think it's probably because this is one of those where you can build on the characters. Um, I think that that's going to unfold probably oh, in the sure. next. Um, so I'm digging into that. <laughs> but yeah, it was kind of frustrating because you're just like, wait, what? <laughs> Especially since that was how kind of she ended the story was yeah. with him. And we'll, you know, like we're still kind of investigating the scene where yeah. she's walking through and he's on the phone. and they That just- was sketchy. Yeah, it yeah. was his whole character was sketchy is the perfect perfect word yeah. for him. So he kind of had a a um a B role in this story, but it, we would be remiss not to mention him, even sure. though we didn't get a ton of information about him. One of the guys that Abigail, when she's teasing London about dating, who has interest in London, is of course Ryan Marsters, and he is the hardware store owner. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Ryan. Uh, and his feelings for her, and let's just 
dig right into him. All right. Well, I just have to say the second that she mentioned him and then she was like, he's in his 50s. He's too old for me, which I was like, I'm here for an age gap romance. (laughs) What's wrong with that? I'm like, 50 what? You know, you're like 28. So I mean, yeah, that's a big gap. That's a big gap. That's a big gap. Even for me. (laughs) We cap out at 20 years, people. Okay. But when she initially says that, I was thinking, wait, what? Was he in his 50s though? Mm-hmm. Or was he yeah. in his 40s? He was in his, I think, um, early 50s. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm tapping out on that one. So, but when their interaction would happen and stuff, I, I, I have to say with this one, I was not surprised that it same, was him. Same. I just thought it's going to be the hardware store yeah. guy because why not? Mm-hmm. There was just too many things that I thought it's not going to be the guy that's staying there. There's no way. He yeah. said too many things when he, when he referenced his sister was the immediately for me, I thought, okay. But then I was thinking, why the wedding gown? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, we'll come back to that, the creepiness of all of that in a, in a little bit. But I knew when when she turned him down, so when they were at the party uh-huh. and, and he's dancing with her and he asks her out officially and she says no because of the age gap and all of that, that scene immediately came to mind when things were happening around her in, like she came back and her apartment was destroyed. Yeah. I'm like, that's somebody who's revenging Yeah, and her. then... Okay, yes, and then when Adelaide goes missing, like, immediately, we already know she's blonde and, mm-hmm. you know, attractive and all that. Yeah, there was he just was, too much. He was obvious to me, but I still enjoyed, you know, trying to, to figure out the, the yeah. mystery aspects of Well, it kind of became a, a dead giveaway when he was adamant, I want to come fix this faucet, you've oh, yeah. been waiting. And then he said something about plumbing. Yes, and when he and that's said that about been plumbing, it was like, yeah, that one campsite, there was like a plumbing thing. Her valve is like, oh, well, you know, they weren't intending to hurt you kind of thing. But... And the same with like the gas leak he had. Well, yeah, that's the valve. That. Yeah, 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 the yeah, valve. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And then she's got all these like creepy things happening, happening around the end with the box delivery and then the lilacs and all of that. Like this guy's going to all these extreme lengths just to get attention and okay. show his dislike. Two things with that. The bath bomb? Ew. Ew. I'm yes. not. I'm sorry. I'm not putting a bath bomb when there's no signature. I'm like, this could be homemade with like acid. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like no and no. Um, and then second, the lilacs. First of all, if you have a mature lilac bush or a lilac tree, do you know how hard those are to get out of the ground? I like, have one in my front yard. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You do. So they're, if they're lining the drive, uh-huh. I thought... That takes did, a lot of work. How did he go How did notice? he do that? Yeah. Well, I'm thinking, well, maybe he like a chain like hooked to his oh, truck mm-hmm. and then just attached and yanked. That would be the only way because otherwise it's, it's a kind lot, of a yeah. time-consuming ordeal to... And then, and then nobody saw anything. They heard a truck. So maybe I assume he had the chain. He would have to have had the chains. Let's talk about that just for a split sec. Okay. The fact that all these people like, well, I heard, like, I, I just thought she was moving furniture. Dudes <laughs> tossing tables. Come on. You know, which I did think in their defense, I think it said no furniture was actually turned over. Yes. But still, Things like, who's slumber. going around making a ruckus like that? And then secondly, if I hear a truck that sounds any bit suspicious, you're out in an area where there's not a lot around. And things have been happening. And things have been happening. I'm looking out the window. And, it, well, correction, I'm not looking out the window. I'm telling Dustin to look out the window. Look out the window. And also, if there was a gas leak, 
I'm not staying. No. No. <laughs> I'm leaving. Sorry. The this fact is cute that, B&B. Yes. Peace out. Good luck to you. The fact that her guests hung on as long as they did just oh. blew my mind. I, there's no way I would be staying that Her long. baked goods were from heaven. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> because there ain't no I was like, well, I could die, but... They got a continental breakfast. <laughs> That's really good. That's really good. So, okay. I love it. I love these small town stories. Let's turn over to the anniversary party that they go. You mentioned to Adelaide, and she's this this woman that nobody really likes. Yeah. She's kind of annoying and gets on everybody's nerves. Yeah. I love the scene where they're trying to pick teams. <laughs> Nobody wants her on their team. This is where the humor comes in. Uh-huh. Thomas, is it Thomas? The yes. brother is so funny. Like he hides behind. <laughs> she, what did he say? She accosted me in the cereal aisle or something. Oh, that's the best. Which, side note, this is also the scene where Seb and London are also <laughs> starting to develop, yeah. like, acknowledge their feelings mm-hmm. and have this really delicious kiss moment, and uh-huh. everybody's over to the side watching, which I found <laughs> just hilarious. <laughs> We've got Adelaide here. She's kind of introduced to us, which is just setting us up for the fact that she then turns around and disappears, you yeah. know, right after this party, which is kind of when things... the height of the story starts really picking up and becomes a little bit more fast-paced and you're starting to stress. Now, here's a character that we've we've grown not really attached to, but we know of her, so we're going to be upset if she passes away and all of that. Yeah. You've got these feelings invested. And so they start doing this whole manhunt search. And Declan, who is one of the firefighters, he actually is one that came out when her gas leaked in her Mm -hmm. apartment. And so that was our introduction to Declan. But now things are starting to kind of fall in his lap. Like he's starting to be framed for these murders. And this is one of Seb's really good friends. This is a hard, hard place for him to be in. Let's talk about Declan. Okay, well, talk about just like, the irony that you stayed like when he asked where did you go skiing and he says aspen charles and he's like oh come on like you're literally like you know how how could all of this you know align which it is truly ironic you know when we know ryan in the end when we find out and he says it was just you know coincidence that i happened to see declan there and i'm thinking what are the odds mm-hmm. terrible that odds you would for see i know i know i did appreciate how torn seb was i did also find even and this is sad but i found a little bit of humor of when london calls him and was like sebastian <laughs> whatever his middle name is you know it's like did you arrest declan he's like okay how did you know and then the sister that called and then whenever he goes into her coffee shop she's like you have a lot of nerve walking in here <laughs> But I did appreciate, too, that she said, I'm not mad at you, but mm-hmm. you better catch the person who's doing this to my brother. Yeah. It's just sad because you've got to stop and think of how, you know, in the court of public opinion, these people, if this was a real life situation, it can really railroad somebody's entire oh, sure. life because they will not care. And that's what he talks about. Yeah. He's like, if this gets out, it is going to destroy his life because yeah. it will always follow. Even if he is completely innocent, yes. the stain will be forever on his life. Did you not love it, though, when Declan gets released and he goes into the DA's office and he kind of has like that <laughs> look on his face, you know? Smug. But I was so frustrated and I was so proud of Seb when he tells him, like, are you seriously going to do this? to a man 
because it's election year. Mm. Oh, like yeah. you can't and he's like, Well the fallback's you know on you. Stuff. Oh, I know they it's do. Terrible. I know they do. And that's the thing that I just think is really one of the frustrations with our system. But we're going to get off that soapbox because <laughs> I could really climb up there and say a lot. They didn't really exonerate Declan until Adelaide returns yeah. and she comes to London's BNB. She stumbles out of the woods and it's obvious that she has been attacked, which is just tragic uh, and heartbreaking. Of course, she calls in reinforcements and luckily she did scratch her attacker she got some dna under the fingernails and i want to talk about that specifically Mm -hmm. this is a beef that i had with london because her and seb have had this argument about how they're not communicating she wants to be included in the conversation so she's not in the dark he's trying to keep boundaries between his professional career and not leaking information that he's not supposed to be talking Mm -hmm. about open cases and she blabs her mouth to I know. Ryan about the DNA. I had so much beef with her in that moment. I wanted to wring her neck. I did too. And that is one of my biggest frustrations that if this was real life, I really don't think, given his training, I don't care what she would have said to him. If he was, if he was first of all, the education and the background that he has in the FBI, he literally left the FBI because he was tired of dealing with serial killers. He knows. There's no way. In a real life situation, I cannot for one second believe that he would tell her that information. And the fact that he literally said, I don't know who I can trust right now. And she should have known. She's had things happen at her inn. There was just, there was a lot. Well, I had beef with her too a little bit with her questioning with Adelaide whenever Mm -hmm. Adelaide sits down. Because I'm like, the woman has just been brutalized. Mm -hmm. You're being it's very... It's not your place to be so invasive. It's not your... Well, you shouldn't be asking her any questions of what happened to her. You're not the police. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I know you're trying to comfort her, but y- you don't sit there and to a trauma victim like, what happened? Mm. <laughs> I know. What'd you go through? You walked in out of the forest naked. <sighs> you okay? <laughs> no. Like, it was just kind of like, that's not realistic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I... I was very frustrated and I almost thought, well, I did think you brought this on yourself getting kidnapped she because really you did. opened up the can of worms and you exposed all of the information that they were did holding. She, and she couldn't pick up on when he was like, he, there's a very clear shift mm-hmm. in his demeanor oh, yes. when yes. he says DNA. He kind of raises yes. up like, I get not everybody reads people's, you know, mannerisms and the way that they move and, but like... I do. (laughs) Well, even the phone conversation before he comes over, it's very obvious to me that he is the killer because she says something like, Adelaide is back. And he says, oh. Uh Uh-huh. Like, he's surprised she lived. Yeah. And there was, you know, just that whole conversation. I'm like, it's him. Yeah. (laughs) Duh. Yeah. (laughs) And you're just blabbing your mouth. (laughs) Well, honestly, I kind of felt like she... She opened up the door for Caleb to get murdered. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and that was another kind of frustration. If we're going to, let's just beef on London. <laughs> we loved the story, though. I kind of felt like she did not really, how do I say this? She wasn't that great with the officers that were there to protect her. Uh-huh. 
because she's so stinking stubborn. Yeah. I'm like, lady, you literally got bath bombs. Your apartment's been ransacked. Com- ransacked. Yeah. And you're the valve. You've had a gas leak. Use some stinking common sense. Mm-hmm. Stop being so stubborn and start having a little bit of like, I don't know, respect for that you're not invincible. <laughs> yeah. And that something can happen to you. Also take into consideration that you have a 16 year old. You should probably be acting a little bit smarter with this scenario that yeah. is, you know, there's a serial killer on the loose. You know I was really, yeah, I was really sad that Caleb lost his life. Oh, that, that was too. completely unnecessary and could have been prevented if she had just minded her P's and Q's. But yeah. we'll, okay. we'll move on to Ryan yeah. abducting her. Okay. Obviously, he's the one that kills Caleb. And he takes her to the mine. And it's in this vehicle that we learn about Coraline. Mm-hmm. I will say that is one thing that I did gasp and was surprised by was that she was his sister, but not. Yeah, yeah. I was really thankful when they clarified that she wasn't uh-huh. because I was like, Ew. Like, oh, he this- said earlier his sister died 30 years ago. Ew. This just took a real twisted, messed up turn I wasn't expecting. So yeah, I was also thankful that they clarified. Yeah, I kind of grieved for his sister though, because it sounded like she'd endured trauma at the hands of his own father mm-hmm. after her mom died. Yes. Um, And I'm not so sure that the mom didn't endure some mm-hmm. trauma. It sounded like his dad and him were both pretty sick in the head. So what did you think about the mind setup? That uh, little, like, place that he'd uh, built and no, the ew, furniture. Mm, and... Nope, nope, nope. Last summer we went to Colorado and we went on a mine tour. And I was trying super hard not to hyperventilate. Especially when they, like, want to be real clever. Like, let's just show you how dark it was when the miners were near my... <laughs> Shall we not do that? So in my mind, I was in that mine. And I didn't like it. <laughs> And then the whole cage thing. Yeah. I'm like, dude, you're sick. You're... I love that she did use her common sense and make some weapons and place forks yeah. and knives and things all around. And This is where her stubbornness and her, like, uh, lack of fear for her safety <laughs> <laughs> yeah. kind of paid off, I feel like. Because uh-huh. it's like, uh, no, nobody's going to take me out. Because I wouldn't, I would, I would be on the floor crying. <laughs> like a blubbering mess. I'm going to die. Should have listened, you know. Oh my gosh, I love it. Ultimately, she does escape from the mine, and we know that Seb and his crew have also discovered that they're probably at the mine, and he sees them running out with Ryan right on her heels. And immediately when they mentioned the cliff, I'm like, oh, someone's definitely going over the cliff. Yeah. (laughs) They did their little fight situation, and of course, they resolve everything. Ryan definitely didn't make it out of that scene. No, he perished. He did perish, perish. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye, Ryan. (laughs) And then, of course, we have our happily ever after for Seven Love London, which I just love this couple so much. I loved how they jumped into the relationship just when they decided to do it they were all in mm-hmm. and I did like that he kind of moved in she's like you're never moving out I are you he's so like much. probably not <laughs> you know he's like, no, you're right. <laughs> yeah so um I love that when they finally crossed those boundaries it was just an all-in they're just all in I did too I really love their relationship together the chemistry I've mentioned multiple times mm-hmm. I just love their dynamic together and then of course Abigail in there as well just yeah. a happy little kind of family their family dynamic throughout especially with his family and his sister Tara she's funny and who and I'm really excited to read her story I'm assuming it's going to be her and Jace this story was had all these little things that you and I love so much the little nuggets Mm -hmm. and I love the small town feel 
Yeah, I do too. That wraps up our discussion on a beautiful end and it was a beautiful end. Thank you for joining us on this episode. We hope you enjoyed it and want to continue the discussion with us. We would love to hear from you. What were your favorite parts of the story? Hit us up on Instagram at Postbook Depression Podcast or on Facebook in our Postbook Depression discussion group. You can also email us at postbookdepressionpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, keep reading.